you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and my guest today, who is revisiting the podcast, is Glenn Livingston. And Glenn is a PhD and all into food and cravings. So please, Glenn, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more. <laughs> I didn't get my PhD in food and cravings. Um, I'm a clinical oh. psychologist by training. Yes. And I'm also a formerly obese person by training. If you stop by the Woodbury Country Deli in 1999 to 2004 or so, you probably... Um, would have found them out of chocolate and pizza because I beat you there. Um, so, uh, so a long time ago, I had a pretty serious food problem myself. And I was yeah. almost 300 pounds and had um, really high triglycerides. And more importantly, I couldn't stop thinking about food. I was just obsessed with it all the time. And I come from a family of 17 therapists. So when things break in the household, everybody knows how to ask it, how it feels, and nobody knows how to fix it. Um, and I say that in jest because, you know, my my approach originally was to try to heal myself psychologically. Mm -hmm. I thought I could, I this was like an inner wounded child thing or, yeah. you know, if I could fill the hole in my heart, then I wouldn't have to fill the hole in my stomach. Uh -huh. um, and I went on a really long journey for a couple of decades to try to fix that. And what would happen is I would get um, a little thinner and a lot fatter every time. I learned a lot about myself. It was very soul enriching. I, you know, cried and screamed and revisited all of the events of my youth and did everything uh, you're supposed to do in you know, psychotherapy. Um, yeah. And and it it made me, I think, a better person, but it didn't really help with the food. Um, at the same time as I was doing that, though, I. I was building my clinical practice. I was a child and family psychologist. Okay. And I was also consulting for the food industry, food industry and the farm industry, but most of the food industry. Um, I was doing advertising research and I was exposed to these um, really millions of dollars that were being used to pay research scientists to figure out how to engineer these hyper palatable concentrations of starch and sugar and fat and salt and excitotoxins that would hit the bliss point in our reptilian brain without giving us enough nutrition to feel satisfied. And the result of that was that we would crave more. And that really had nothing to do with, you know, my inner wounded child or whether my mama dropped me on my head or her mama dropped her on her head. That, that was a totally external force, a non-psychological yeah. force uh -huh. that was creating a type of food addiction. I looked at the advertising industry and I saw that, you know, about five or 6,000 messages about food were beamed at us over the internet and the airwaves every year. But with maybe a half a dozen of those are to eat more, you know, whole fruits and vegetables. It, it, it's, it's all about bags and boxes and containers. Right. And, you know, advertising affects you the most when you think it doesn't affect you. Everybody thinks advertising doesn't affect them, but that's where the advertising industry wants us because then your sales resistance is down. So another external force. And then I looked into neurology a little more and I recognized that it seems to be the reptilian brain that's generating this, oh, screw it, just do it response. Mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when it perceives there to be an emergency or it perceives there to be an opportunity, to mm -hmm. gather a wealth of calories in a small space for a little effort, which unfortunately today is available on every corner and convenience. Please, yes. Um, but but the reptilian brain, it mm -hmm. doesn't really know love. Like figure this is the reptilian brain. It looks at the world from a perspective of a bad college drinking game. It's like 
like eat, mate, or kill? Do I eat that thing? Do I mate with that thing? Or do I kill with that thing? Would it, right? It's, it's the um, mammalian brain on top mm-hmm. of it, which either evolved or was placed there by God. It doesn't really matter. Um, but that it says, before you eat, mate, or kill that thing, what about, um, what about your tribe? What about your family? What impact is it going to have? Um, you know, delay that order. Delay okay. that order. And then the neocortex on top of that says, before you eat, mate, or kill that thing, what mm-hmm. impact does that have on your long-term goals? What impact does that have on your health or your weight loss or your fitness? Or for that matter, your music or spirituality or art or work or contribution to society? Yeah. And so this thing, this reptilian brain, which pushes all the rest away, it it doesn't know love. It knows eat, mate, or kill. And so here I am spending decades trying to love myself then when this thing is the thing that's responsible for the problem, doesn't really know. Yeah. Um, long story short, I, I did some very big studies. I looked all, for all these personality variables, found some interesting things, but nothing really made a difference. Eventually, I got fed up with it, and I said, well, maybe I just need to plan. Maybe this love yourself thing thing is not going to work. Maybe I need to be the alpha dog of my own mind. Maybe this is like, you know, when, when, a, uh, sub, when, a, when a subordinate wolf challenges the alpha for leadership, the alpha doesn't say, oh, my goodness, somebody needs a hug. It growls and it snarls, <laughs> right? And it says, you know, get back in line or I'll kill you, right? Exactly. And I said, yeah. well, well, but when you look at the way the brain is wired, we, our, you know, what we think of as we, our relationships and thoughts and long-term goals and contributions, mm-hmm. we're wired. The neocortex and even the mammalian brain is wired to be superior to this thing down there. And so we really can be the alpha wolf. So I, this is what I did. It was a pretty crazy thing to do. I was never going to teach it. I didn't anticipate being famous for it. But I said, okay, I need to have a clear line in the sand so mm-hmm. that when this thing is trying to take over, I know that's what's happening. So I said, what if chocolate always started my my overeating episodes, uh, my chocolate craving? It, it was usually just a little chocolate, quote unquote. Oh yeah, just and, just one bite, right? Yeah. Just one bite, right? And then of course it was more chocolate and then it was pizza and lattes and donuts and on and on and on, anything that wasn't nailed down. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> that's true. It's unfortunately true. <laughs> no, I, I, that's so appropriate. I co- totally understand, yeah. So I did this experiment to take control of chocolate and I said, I'm only ever going to have chocolate on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Initially, I didn't even say how much. I just said, I'm never going to eat chocolate during the week and do what I want to on the weekends. And that way, if I was at a Starbucks on a Wednesday afternoon, and I heard this little voice inside of me that said, um, hey, Glenn, you worked out hard enough. A couple of bites are not going to hurt. You can start your silly rules again tomorrow. I could wake up and say, well, wait a minute. That's not me. That's my reptilian brain, which at the time, I called my inner pig. I said, that's not me. That's my pig. My pig is squealing for pig slop. On, on a Wednesday afternoon, chocolate is pig slop. I don't eat pig slop. I don't let farm animals tell me what to do. Excuse me, it's a little hot today here in Florida. And, oh, um, yeah. And as crazy as it sounds and as embarrassing as it is, that would give me those extra microseconds. It would wake me up and give me that little bit of extra time to consider the choice I was about to make and why I was making it. It would... um kind of snap me out of the trance and put my my cortex, neocortex back in control. Uh-huh. I wish I could uh-huh. say it was a miracle and I was immediately better. It, it wasn't. But what what was immediately better was this feeling of confusion, this like mm. mysteriousness about what was mm. taking over, this feeling like I couldn't control myself. That was gone. Now it was a matter of decision-making. And sometimes I'd make a better decision. Like I was mm-hmm. eating better because of that. From there, I adjusted the rules back and forth to find things that I really wanted to comply with. And then I started to be able to open up that space a little more between stimulus and response, between Mm -hmm. seeing the chocolate, hearing the voice, and actually doing something about it. Mm -hmm. And once I had that opening, I started to say, well, this, this voice inside of me seems to be trying to justify things. Like, you know, you can just start your silly diet again tomorrow. 
what if I examine that logic? And I looked at that logic and it turns out that it's false. It's not going to be just as easy to start your diet mm -hmm. again tomorrow yeah. because what fires together wires together. So if I have the thought, just start again tomorrow, it'll be easy to start again tomorrow. And then I reward that thought with chocolate, I'll be more likely to have that thought tomorrow. I'm digging a deeper groove. Mm -hmm. If you're in a hole, you got to stop digging. Sense. Always use the present moment to be healthy. Yeah. And so I, I call, I now call that a refutation. And um, for about eight years, that's all I did. I would, I would refute all the things the pig was saying. Sometimes I could do it in the moment. Other times I would make mistakes and I'd have to refute it post-mortem, like after I mm -hmm. ate a whole bunch of crap. Yeah. Um, but over the course of eight years, I kept a journal of all the things that the pig said, and it made a tremendous difference. And I got I got thin over time. I got thin and my uh -huh. triglycerides came down and a lot of things got uh -huh. better. Um, that would have been that if I wasn't getting divorced. Um, <laughs> it was just, It would just have been a private journal. But I was getting divorced and, you know, we were intertwined in some things we were doing and I needed to do something else. And I happened to be a minor part of a publishing company since, um, mm. you know, given all of my business dealings. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to the CEO and he said, maybe you should write a book. Ah. So long story short, I wrote a book. We published it. Um, you know, I knew what I was doing marketing wise because i'd been in marketing for a long time but i had no idea how much it was going to take off and um yeah when i wound up um with a million readers and twenty thousand reviews and seven other books wow. and um yeah now now i could be in a bookstore and people don't quite know my name but sometimes they'll point at me and go you're the pig guy you're the pig guy really so, oh my yeah. god wow so that's that's my story how fun. that's that's who i am and um since that point, I've been keeping very tra careful track of results. I've worked, we work with a couple of thousand clients. I have a bunch of coaches that work with me. Mm. And I, for most of the time, most of the eight years that I did that, I worked on fixing people's thinking about food, taking away those mm. justifications. Mm. Um, and I found that when you take away those justifications, the previously greased chute from stimulus to response becomes much harder to go down and people okay. got better like I did and they got better a lot faster like in a couple of months uh -huh. however there was a little chink in the armor and the chink in the armor was every now and then you could fix people's thinking but every now and then they get this response which was like oh screw it just do it yeah right like, oh, like, I'll just have it you know yeah. I'll go back to my diet tomorrow yeah well they don't even think they won't even say that because I fixed that yeah. thinking for them they'll mm -hmm. They'll say, just screw it, just do it. Who cares? Um, just hand over uh, the chocolate, nobody gets hurt. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so in the last couple of years, I became very curious about that response. Mm -hmm. What is it that what is it that takes people's best thinking and throws it out the window at those times? And I learned a myriad of, of things. Okay. First of all, there is a physiological process that occurs when you have that reaction, when you are rational thinking goes offline and it's like this emergency response pops in that says, you know, we need the chocolate now. It doesn't matter what your best thinking is. Um, the physiological change is a move from the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the nervous system that we're in when we are relaxing and breathing and digesting and resting and thinking. Um, to the sympathetic system, system, which is where we are when we are revved up for action, mm. fight or flight, feast or famine, you know, right. yeah. fight or uh -huh. And so I started to investigate what you could do to prevent that switch or to reverse it when you were aware of it. Um, the first thing I discovered was that the screw it, just do it response was much more prevalent when people weren't eating regularly. It was much more prevalent in people. So people who didn't have regular reliable nutrition, usually because mm -hmm. they were trying to fast the weight off of them or you know have one meal a day or 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 something like that. Yeah. They yeah. they would be paleo or something. Right. Yeah. Any, anything that's a yeah. little more extreme. Like and yeah. I, I tell people I'd rather not argue about should you have 
you know, a whole foods plant-based diet or a carnivore's mm-hmm. diet, but anything that's more extreme that doesn't have regular reliable nutrition yeah. um, with mi- macronutrients, micronutrients makes you more likely to say screw it, just do it. Yeah. Um, in my experience with the 2000 clients that we work with, uh, get about half the success rate when people want to do those types of diets. Mm. Um, and I tell them that you can go back to that later on if you want to, but for six months while you're beating this thing, where you're learning how to defeat your cravings, can you eat more regularly, reliably, um, kind of more in the middle, more in the mm-hmm. middle. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Um, and so I had to learn, for example, myself, I went back and thought about some of the things I did that weren't cognitive work. I had to learn that sometimes when I had these cravings, there was an authentic physiological need behind them. So sometimes I'd crave chocolate at three in the afternoon because I didn't really have enough for lunch. And I found if I went and I had a kale banana smoothie, that craving would go away, right? And then I realized Mm -hmm. I could preempt the craving by having a kale banana smoothie. And then I was never bothered with the chocolate craving at all. Uh That was the first thing. The second thing had to do with breathing. There are certain types of breathing that stimulate your sympathetic system and get you revved up for action. Like if you're running away from a hungry bear and you go, <laughs> you're flooding your system with oxygen. You're also telling your brain, look, dude, you better run. We, this, yeah. this, is, this is time to go. If you do the opposite of that, where you breathe in for a count of seven and out uh-huh. for a count of 11, for example, and you do that a couple uh-huh. of times. I'm not doing it now because it takes a lot of time. But if, yeah. if, you, if you do that, you're signaling the brain, no, we have everything we need right now. It's not yeah. an emergency It's okay to rest and digest and think about things for a while, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there were a lot of other things like um, getting regular, reliable sleep um, Uh, makes a difference, makes a big difference. It seems to change the hormonal balance also. Absolutely. Um, Social connectedness. We're -hmm. we're a social animal. And when people feel isolated for too long, the brain starts to starts to panic a little and think that there's an emergency. And and by the way, when the brain thinks there's an emergency, it doesn't matter if there is one or there isn't one. It's only if it thinks that there is one, it will say, I need resources to deal with this. Get as many calories as you can as quickly as you can. Uh-huh. Yeah. So social connectedness can help. Having enough water can help. Um, oh. Removing the need for unnecessary decisions throughout the day can help also. If you're constantly put upon by not only food decisions, but who's going to take Jenny to soccer practice and what time is dinner and what what suit should you wear today mm-hmm. or what mm-hmm. dress should you wear? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the more decisions you have to make over the course of the day, the less recourse to willpower you will have. Um, decisions, every little decision wears down your willpower, not just food decisions, but um, you yeah. know, in studies where they make people do math problems, they have a harder time resisting marshmallows after they've done a bunch of math problems. Oh, wow. Okay. So it turns out you have to give your brain a rest sometimes to to recharge. Uh Two five-minute breaks, two five-decision-three-minute breaks during the day can make all the difference in the world. The other thing that can eliminate food decisions is having more hard and fast rules. So if I say I never have chocolate during the week, then all of my chocolate decisions are made for me during the week. I don't have to... Uh That's why you don't have to use willpower indefinitely. You just kind of become a person that doesn't have chocolate during the week and character trumps willpower. Character is what we habitually do at the moment of temptation. I'm just not that kind of person. I don't eat chocolate during the week. Big deal. Uh, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I'm not, I'm not a thief. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not an aggressive person. I don't go and smack people when I get mad at them. Um, I I just don't have chocolate during the week. Period. End of story. Right. Uh Um, so, So there's this whole litany of things you can do to take care of yourself to prevent that. Uh, and you, the basic technique is still the same. You, you create at least one simple rule. Like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll always put my fork down between bites or I'll mm-hmm. always take a picture of my food before I eat it. It doesn't have to be something that makes you give up anything mm-hmm. um, because it inserts a pause. And, yeah. that, and that pause forces you to slow down and say there's no emergency here. That, yeah. That's what the yeah. pause does. Yeah. The break, yeah. So, so you do that then any thought in your mind that suggests that you're going to break that rule between now and the day that you die is your inner pig or your food monster or your 
bad Betty, whatever you want to call it, but it's not you. And it's got to be something that you don't want to love and nurture, but something that makes you wake up and say, whoa, who's in charge? You know, I'm not going to let that thing uh-huh. be in charge. Yeah. Um, and then you listen for that and you engage in all of these parasympathetic activities when you hear it to try to calm the brain. And then you disempower the logic. And mm-hmm. if you follow this, this plan, you not only can um, extinguish your cravings pretty quickly, there's a little more to it, but you can extinguish your cravings pretty quickly, uh-huh. but um, you'll find that you have a more peaceful, easy, happy life uh, along the process. So I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing the work that I do. I, I have a new book called yeah. Defeat Your Cravings. That's uh-huh. um, all about this and kind of incorporates the best of the best from the old stuff. Um, and yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. Long-winded, long-winded answer, but that's what I am. Oh, no, no. I loved it. That was great. That was great. So is, is it the same sort of thing that, that people can use as well? If it, you know, not just food, I mean, maybe quitting smoking or, you know, the same kind of, it's yes. just that same oh, oh, absolutely. reaction that people have having been a smoker at one point in my life, I understand, you know, and food <laughs> and they're very similar in, Oh, well, I'll just have one. It's okay. I'll just have one. And as soon as you have yeah. the one, right. You're dead. You're, you're dead. I mean, literally, but, <laughs> and figuratively. I, I, I actually, well, literally and figuratively, right. Yeah. I actually got the idea. Uh-huh. Um, I was reading some alternative addiction treatment literature, and it was about mm. alcohol, mostly alcohol and drugs. Okay, okay. A man named Jack Trimpey wrote a book called Rational Recovery, and um, mm. he bifurcates the mind and kind of talked about the fact that this thing inside of us is sociopathic, that it doesn't really know love. Uh-huh. Um, all it really wants is its stuff, you know, alcohol, mm-hmm. drugs, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I kind of took that idea and ran with it. I, I was stimulated by reading his his materials. Mm, I always yeah. send people to him for drugs or alcohol because mm-hmm. you know he's got like probably 30 years experience working with that. Yeah. And I really focus mostly on food. Uh-huh. The, but it's not only drugs and alcohol you can use it with. You can create productivity enhancing routines. Like, uh-huh. um, you know, I'll never have my morning coffee until I've organized my day in the computer or okay. Yeah. You know, you, anything that you can draw a clear black and white line with, right? You, you yeah. can use this structure of mind to, yeah, to work it out. Yeah, yeah. Which makes so much sense, so much sense because I mean, we all do that, right? We all have great plans for the morning, and then maybe we didn't get up with the alarm, or we didn't, or this didn't happen, or we're hungry, or gee, let's have a cup of coffee first. And, yeah. Next thing you know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. You haven't done shit, you know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I and I like to do shit in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, yeah. But yeah. but mo- mostly, I find uh-huh. that if anybody is eating beyond their own best judgment, this doesn't just have to be mm-hmm. for binge eaters. If you're, if you'd like to have more control, if you'd like to be able to say look, this is how I want to eat and I'm going to follow through on it, then um, this is a technique that would, would work for you. So m- mostly I focus on food because it. I originally mm-hmm. thought I was going to write a litany of books about a variety of different topics because I felt like I discovered gold. Um, but I learned that there's just, there's just so much to helping people with food. Oh, and it was, oh. and, and, and it's extremely rewarding. I mean, I get notes from people every day that says yeah. that we save their lives and so and it's true you know it's true i'm sure that that you did save their lives we 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 live in a world where people have tacitly agreed to slowly kill themselves with food while they laugh it off yeah you know just you know walk into a walmart for god's sake and look what people are putting (gasps) in their shopping carts and and you know (laughs) stop and interview them about their health problems. It's, it's, um, you know, I think yeah. the, the World Health Organization recently put out a publication that said that cardiovascular disease is up it's at least mm-hmm. double. It's responsible for 31, 31% of world deaths. And, 
um, diabetes is up 80% and kidney disease and all these diet reversible, diet preventable or diet influenced diseases, disorders and conditions um, uh-huh. that can, you know, it's, it's a waste. There are billions of people that don't have to suffer the way that they do suffer. Well, everybody yeah. says, just eat a little in moderation. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know? Exactly. It's like, uh, no, don't, don't, does not work that way. Does not work that way. I think Lewis Black said he knew the world was ending because he walked out of Starbucks and across the street was another Starbucks. And <gasps> I think you could say the same thing about all the convenience stores and fast food places. There, yes. you know, there are all these, there are all these corners in most mm-hmm. major metropolises where there is one on every single corner. There is a fast food. So if you wanted to walk from corner to corner to corner and slowly kill yourself yeah. with food, you could have a field day. Yeah. Yeah, you'd never have to leave. You could just live there. Just set up a tent. We've got people living in tents on the sidewalks already, which is a whole nother discussion and not not for this podcast, but yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you a little more about what I've yeah. learned over the eight years? It's different than from when I originally published the first book. Uh-huh. Um, I've learned about how cravings work physiologically a little more. Mm-hmm. And... One of the most important things that I've learned is that having strong cravings is a sign of a healthy brain, not mm-hmm. a sign of a sick brain. We're, we're told we have it, people who really feel like they can't control themselves with food are told they have a disease. Right. And I mean, there are certain brain conditions where you don't have the ability to sense when you're full. There are certain chemicals and some food substances that prevent you from sensing when you're full. But but for the most part, if you have very strong cravings, you're manifesting something physiologically that was a survival advantage 100,000 years ago. Okay. See, we, we had to be very good at finding, acquiring, and motivating ourselves to go get food. Mm-hmm. And so we came, became very sensitive to signals in the environment that sources of calories were available. Think of a think of a caveman, let's call him Thag. Um, and first of all, I, I don't think there were eating disorders a hundred thousand years ago. I don't no. I don't think that Thag was sitting around saying, Oi, Marta, ate too much mammoth. I, I, I don't think You're that right. was no anything they could get was what they ate. Right? Yeah. whatever so, they could get. So to and, live, and, yeah. And then when you did get it, you had as much as possible because you didn't know when the next meal was coming. Yeah, yeah. And no way to no way to save it. I mean, we've got refrigerators and freezers. Yes. Right? They didn't have any of those things. You ate it while it was still good before exactly. it made you sick. Exactly. Right. So imagine that Thag sees a chimpanzee and he, and he follows the chimpanzee to a banana tree. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. after the chimpanzee is done, he goes and eats all the bananas he can get, brings them back for his family. Thag's brain thinks, ooh, chimpanzee means bananas, right? The next time that he sees a chimpanzee, he starts salivating a little bit, and he runs after the chimp. Now he's got a habit. Now he gets happy and motivated when he sees the chimpanzee taking him to the banana tree. Well, our brains still work like that. You pass the sign for the donut store, and your brain says, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, this is great. Let's go into the donut store and get us some coffee and chocolate. Right, and the smell when you go by. And the smell. As well. Abs- absolutely. That gets you, yeah. Absolutely. Your brain says, hook me up, baby. It's, it's time yeah. for a donut and coffee. <laughs> um, okay. So it's the same exact process that's occurring. And it was a healthy thing 100,000 years ago. It's only in the modern food environment that it's not really signaling the availability of nutrition. It is signaling the availability of calories. But now let's look at the process of habit formation and habit extinction. The habit is formed when the signal and source are unexpected. So the brain is wired to find new sources of nutrition and calories because food was scarce back then. So the corollary here is uh, the first time that Fag sees the chimp run over to the tree, um, he's going to get a bigger dopamine hit. It's going to feel happier, get a bigger dopamine hit and enjoy yeah. the bananas a little more. The second time, it's not quite so exciting. By the 50th time, it's like he'll do it, 
but it's normal. Mm. Yeah, it's just kind of everyday routine, right? Um, same thing. The first time you see a, uh, you experience a new donut or a new, you know, a new kind of coffee, mm-hmm. um, yeah. your brain throws an awful lot of dopamine at you because it's trying to create a habit quickly. Now, this could be a good or a bad thing, depending upon whether or not you want the craving and the habit. Um, maybe you don't want to crave a donut every time you pass the store because you're, you know, working on your health for some reason and you don't want to eat it that often. Um, if you, I, I had a friend 20 years ago, I always remember him used to do this. We'd be eating lunch and he'd order a new sandwich or something and he'd take a bite and he'd go, oh, oh, that's too good. Glenn, if it's too good, it's no good. If it's, too, he, he didn't want to crave it. Because uh-huh. he had, he yeah. had an eating, yeah. eating problem also. Okay. So he was on, he learned to be on the alert for anything that was too good because he didn't want to have it. And then he'd make a rule for himself, like, I'll only have this on Saturday. I'm not going to eat these anymore because he didn't want to crave it every time that he passed it. If it's too good, it's no good. You can use the same phenomena, though, to make your diet more rewarding and fun. So mm-hmm. if you understand that the brain responds to unexpected pleasure, you could research 15 different recipes and rotate them through your diet so that your brain doesn't really know when. And you research all these recipes that are on your plan and compliant with your your food rules. And then you're going to get more dopamine every time you go back to one because it's been a month since you got to have that particular meal. You can use that to your advantage. Uh Um, Okay. Now let's say you want to get rid of a craving. People think that, well, if you stop having the donut every time you pass the coffee shop, that every day it's going to get a little easier. No, no, worse. It, it doesn't really work like that, right? Mm-hmm. It, what, what actually happens is, is there's a little honeymoon period, and then somewhere between day four and day seven, you're going to have worse cravings than you ever experienced yeah. before, right? Yeah. And then it starts to go down and maybe a little spike at the end. We call that an extinction burst in the behavioral literature. And the reason for it, let's go back to Thag and the banana tree, Uh is that the brain doesn't want to give up learning that acquired nutrition and calories. It doesn't want to give up its source of nutrition Uh and calories. And and so let's say Thag follows the monkey to the tree and the banana tree is empty. Um, Well, if that happens a couple of times, but he'll have a little honeymoon period where he kind of wants to stop following the monkey, but then he's going to want to do it more than ever before. That's because the brain wants to test out, gee, maybe sometimes this, this, this chimp goes to a tree with bananas it, and sometimes it doesn't. And having a chimp that sometimes finds bananas is better than not having any chimp at all, especially in an environment where you didn't know where you're going to find the next banana tree. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and so the brain doesn't give it up. It, it tests out this hypothesis that maybe the bananas are intermittently available. Um, okay. This is even more powerful than the really wonderful first experience. It's called intermittent reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And if it's done with a variable ratio, <laughs> meaning it's not like every third time that he follows the monkey, but it's randomly available. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's the most motivating that you can get. Think about mm-hmm a slot machine. You don't know when that's going to pay off. If that slot machine only paid off at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning, you wouldn't bother showing up at the casino all week long. But if you don't know when it's going to pay off, you're always there pulling, pulling, pulling. Yes, yes, yes. And putting your money in. (laughs) Yeah. More importantly. (laughs) So what this tells us is if you want to extinguish a craving, at all costs, you want to avoid intermittent reinforcement. You want, Mm. if you don't have to give up something entirely, you could say, I am only going to have donuts on Saturday morning after my workout. And mm-hmm. then your brain will learn that there's no other signal for the availability of donuts. So when it's passing during the week, it, it eventually doesn't have that craving. It's only Saturday morning after your workout at the donut shop. Um, so you learn that. And also, you don't go into battle prepared with only a plastic helmet. You don't just willy-nilly say, well, I'm giving up donuts this week. You really tell yourself, this is a serious endeavor. You're going to go through this extinction burst. You're going to have worse cravings than you ever have. What are you going to do to support, what are you going to do to support yourself when that happens? Are you going to have meals prepared in, you know, the Tupperware or Pyrex or something that you can just pop mm-hmm. in the 
oven. Um, maybe you're going to have a little more whole fruit at that time to, to help you with a, li- a little bit of the mm-hmm. sugar craving, but still mm-hmm. get the guar mm-hmm. and the pectin. Um, right. Maybe you're going to make more decision-free breaks throughout the day. Maybe you're going to pay more attention to your sleep. Maybe you're going to drink more water, have a little more social contact. Um, yeah. you, you need a plan to get through the extinction burst. And, uh-huh. and usually it's better to work on one habit at a time. Sometimes people need to do, sometimes people are just eating so badly, they need to do several habits all at once. But sometimes it's usually better to do one habit at a time. Yeah. Know what you're going to do to get through that. And then the other thing is not to get too cocky when the cravings are gone. Uh, um, yes. See, so, so because the brain is very efficient and it want, it's a calorie finding machine where all these, we, have, we all live on top of these calorie finding machines. The, the um, brain will not erase the learning. What it will do is label it dormant. So it will say huh. monkeys no longer lead to um, banana trees. And so let's not bother this guy. Let's not bother Thag with um, banana tree, banana cravings whenever it sees a monkey anymore. The, the, the um, craving is labeled as dormant so the brain doesn't waste energy. But if you signal the brain that the banana is available again, right, boom, they're back in season. And yeah. you've, you've, you've reset the extinction curve and you got to go through it all over again. So I tell people, once you've broken out of prison, don't go back to see your friends. R- 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 run away as far as you can, right? Um, there was one more thing about the craving that I yeah. wanted to tell you. Um, remember that your taste buds will adjust. Um, mm. There's a phenomenon called down regulation. If you have a donut every day, by the end of a week, apples are not going to taste as sweet to you, uh, mm. nor will you be able to enjoy the okay. natural sugars and vegetables as much. Your your system will down regulate its response, its pleasure response, both in terms of taste and dopamine to mm. natural okay. sugar, natural foods. This uh-huh. is why people yeah. this is why people say that they hate fruit and vegetables. Because there's so much overstimulation in our society that we've lost that natural ability. However, there is a corresponding process called upregulation, which will double the sensitivity of your taste buds over the course of a month or two if you Mm -hmm. eliminate a lot of the unnatural sugars in your your diet. Mm -hmm. So you will actually get more food pleasure than you thought possible once you're on the other side of this curve, but you got to go through it. The The only way out is through. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to tell you about about cravings. Oh, yeah, they're, okay. they're never gone; they're only labeled dormant. But you can defeat them entirely. You don't have to be bothered by them at all, as long as you don't go back and visit them, um, or that if you are going to go back and visit them, that it's in very circumscribed circumstances, so your brain learns the only circumstances that it's available in. Right, 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 right. Like the only like the only time you get to eat a. a big gooey dessert, which is not one of my favorite things anyways, but most people like that, um, is on your birthday or something like that, right? Just one time that's your, your birthday present kind of thing. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. exactly okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So, that, so that's what I've been up to. Um, I, I kind of put it together I'm in a, away from the sun. oh, the sun's bothering in your eyes. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Well, I can tell what time <laughs> it is by where the, um, where the sun is. Exactly. Marks yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there I'm anything fine. else in particular you wanted to ask me or tell me about um, what the plan? Um, well, I don't know. You, you've you've given us so much information, given me so much information to think about, which makes makes so much sense. You know, um, I mean, when my own personal experience. Right, because um, I was a fat kid, very fat kid. Um, How did you get fat? Um, I was in graduate school. I had just started graduate school, and um, and I had been on Weight Watchers, you know, when it first came out, and I don't know what else. I mean, all of these different diets and stuff, and nothing ever worked. Or if it did, it was for, you know, the X amount of time. And then, <clears throat> as you're saying, you go back. <clears throat> but I had a, um, when I was in, when I was in college and graduate school, um, 
back then we used to have a, a doctors and they and the they provided medical health and they had you know clinics and all that kind of stuff you didn't have to go now they don't even have buildings for them yeah <laughs> let alone the people in them but anyways but the doctor that i was going to said you know she said i'm gonna, i'm just going to tell you she said if you don't lose the weight now you're going to be fighting it the rest of your life oh and i was like okay that scared me so um <clears throat> that's what i did i started you know she gave me a a I don't want to call it a diet plan, but it was a healthy eating kind of thing. And I lost, I don't know, 25 pounds, 30 pounds, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Never put it back on again. I mean, I've gone, I've gone up a little bit at one point, but. You well, know, good for you. Like, okay. Good for you. Yeah. 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 She, well, she, and she then. scared you straight. She did. She did. You know, I mean, and, it, and she wasn't nasty about it or you know what i mean she was just very common sense kind of no you don't understand <laughs> yeah but the, the other thing about the pleasure of like living life as a as a healthy person uh-huh. is that you you feel more present you're not digestively distressed all the time you're not dragging around the extra weight to tire you out you can move more easily right. Um, I remember when I stopped overeating all the time, all of a sudden it felt like everyone was smiling at me and it, it was, um, I realized they were always smiling at me. I just wasn't there. I, w- I was thinking uh-huh. about how can I lose the weight and when's my next meal and what am I going to have and how are we going to stop myself from yeah. having too much and how do I hide the evidence and, you know, what event do I have coming up that I'm, people are going to see me yeah. and, and um, you know, you you can get rid of all that. You don't have to live with that. Mm-hmm. Just oh, no, exactly. pre- present and enjoy your life so yeah well yeah. and and there's so many good tasting foods out there that are healthy and and it the internet have to be i mean i I've, I've never been a lover of chocolate so that that was never my downfall it's like people could give me chocolate and it's like no that's all right go you eat it <laughs> i don't want it <laughs> but there were lots of other things that i did like <laughs> i i've learned to make these brownies uh-huh. with carob and beans instead of flour and dates instead uh-huh. of sugar. And you know, uh-huh. they're still, still a little rich, so I can't have them that often. But once or twice a month when I really want something that reminds me of that, that chocolate uh-huh. feeling, I'll do, I'll do that. And it's, it's delicious. Uh-huh. Like, I got it from Dr. Furman, Dr. Furman's um, uh-huh. website. But the, the internet yeah. is a wealth of information. I mean, there are so oh many. I mean, you decide what dietary philosophy you have. Um, I'm, I'm basically salt, starch, oil, and sugar-free. Um, and you you type it into YouTube or TikTok, and you know you're, you're going to find a wealth of people who are showing you what to do. So oh, you, you, you don't have to suffer okay. from pleasure. As a matter of fact, you'll get more pleasure out of food mm-hmm. because you're not feeling guilty about it. You're not worried uh, about the impact it's right. going to have on you physically. Yeah. It's kind it's kind of like driving is more fun when you know that you're going to stop at the red lights and yield at the yield signs because you can just daydream. You know that the difficult uh-huh. decisions are made for you. Um uh-huh. I find yeah. that um like, like Jim Rohn said a life of discipline is better than a life of regret. And I find that to be very true. I find mm-hmm. that the more disciplined I've become, the freer that I feel, the more I can enjoy yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the other the other part of it as well is that people have to get moving. If you're not doing something with your body, <clears throat> yeah. you know, that's the other side of it. Can, I, I have the hardest time convincing my fuel. audience. Yeah. I mean you're <clears throat> that's what that's what food was. That's how it started, <laughs> right? It's for fuel. Uh-huh. So that you can go out and do things. Uh-huh. And certain kinds of food make you draggy and and kind of, you know, your brain doesn't work as well and, and stuff like that. And people don't put those things together. Yeah. That eating is for living. Yeah. Eating is for living. Most people live to eat instead. Yeah. Totally yeah. agree. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Exactly. 
Exactly. But, you know, I don't know. But la- the last 40 years or so with television and all of that kind of stuff, and now with the internet and everything, I mean, that's not the message that they that they give. I mean, unless not, you watch specific things, but we're not really built to spend our days between four walls, staring at a screen, hoping that yeah. electrons are going to flow into our bank account. It's it, it, it's not really how we're meant how we're meant to live, you know. And the, the older I get, the more time I spend outside, the more that yeah. I breathe, and I realize, um, you know, it, it is what it is. We. We live in kind of a crazy world. Jakarto Krishnamurti, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh-huh. He said, he said yeah. that it's um, it's no sign of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. It's no sign of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. <gasps> oh, God, so so yeah. I, I don't strive to be average. I don't strive to be normal. Yeah. I, I don't want to be like everybody else because right. everybody else is slowly deteriorating after age 50. Um, you know, to the point that they're going out in pieces, they're having all these surgeries and disabilities. And um, yeah, I I don't strive for that. Every, just about every male in my family has had a heart attack by the time they're 40. (gasps) And I've, I've escaped that fate. I I got Uh my eating together right around the time I was 40. Um, Uh, And I'll be 60 this year. And, and um, it seems like I've escaped that fate so far. And I, good deal. I periodically run into someone in their mid eighties or even early nineties at the top of a mountain. And I think, man, I'm, I'm going to be that person. I'm going to get up there when I'm 85. I'm going to be there. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't do mountain climbing, but, um, <laughs> but I like we, my husband and I go for a walk, you know, we do Good enough. like two miles every morning and to the gym. And um, so um, you know, my, my husband was a, an athlete growing mm-hmm. up. I mean, literally, you know, on the football team and the, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, basketball and, you know, and all that. And so he's still into that, right? He has to, which is great because it, you know, it has dragged me into going into the gym. That's great. How long are you, <laughs> how long are you married? Uh, um, we have been together for, I was just figuring out the other day, we've been together for 37 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank still, you. Going, still going Thank to you. the gym together. That's, that's yeah, a good yeah. Well, yeah, not, not right. This, not today. I got, I don't know. I had did something to my arm and so I oh, work no. with the weights and it's like, oh God, you know, then I'm, <clears throat> so I'm taking a, a, a short vacation. Good. in the gym and i've got my little two pound weights i figure i'll start at the very beginning again and try and work, work yeah be, the care, be careful be careful yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But, no exactly exactly but um yeah no I, I think i look pretty good for 68 i think you look pretty good for 68 also <laughs> <laughs> susan would you like me to tell people where they could get a free copy of the book yes Please, absolutely, okay. and and I will also put it in the show notes so Thank they you. can find it there as well. Um, yep. If you go to defeatyourcravings.com uh-huh. and click the big blue button for the free book and reader bonuses, uh, that's what I see. That yes, you see that. Click uh-huh. the big the big blue button and sign up for the reader bonus list. You will get a free copy of the book in Kindle, Nook, or PDF format. Okay. If you're someone who has to have the paperback or the Audible format, there. There's that option, but there's a small charge for that customary charge. Um, we also have recorded a full-length set of coaching sessions. So you can see how oh, this wow. works in practice because it uh-huh. sounds a little weird. Like, why does Susan have this doctor on who has got a pig inside of him? And um, <laughs> it sounds a little cruel in the abstract, but it's actually a very compassionate process. And I'm, yeah. I wanted you to see people going from feeling hopeless and despairing, confused yeah. about food to feeling very hopeful and confident and um, enthusiastic. Uh And there's a set of food plan starter templates. So Uh a set of rules that might match any particular dietary philosophy you have, including ketogenic or paleo or um, whole food plant-based or Uh calorie counters or carb counters or point counters. But whatever you might be doing, we 
have a starter template and you take it and you customize it for yourself. Um, a whole bunch of other free stuff there, but it's, it's all at um, defeatyourcravings.com. Click the big blue button. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, you have to, you have to go down a little bit for the big blue button. Uh, just a little bit, depending upon your screen. Yeah. Oh, okay. We well, know there is one at the top too. Never mind. There's one at the top. I was down at the bottom. Oh, I see. <laughs> There's one at the top and the bottom. <clears throat> yes. Yes. You make it very easy for everybody. You can also click the free stuff link in the navigation bar. Uh, ah, yes. If you go to defeatyourcravings.com, you won't have a problem, I promise. And <laughs> <laughs> no, it's pretty obvious. Um, unless you unless you get unless you get pulled in by the picture of all the food. That's true. <laughs> but a, a lady standing victorious on top of all the food, right? That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Like but she's she's salad. a lot smaller than the pizza and the uh, <laughs> oh well, well the the reason for that is that besides having to fit it on the website yeah but but the reason for that is that food feels overwhelming and impossible to beat people get very despairing about you know they'll say i i fought a war with a pizza pizza and i lost um you know that, but that's You're what right. it feels. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah. They do say that. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to depict being able to defeat that, despite perceiving it like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, no, and, and I had to fit it on the website too. Yes. 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 Yeah. I know. Maybe she could have a green shirt on or a blue shirt or something, just so she's not the same color as the. Oh, that's an idea. As all the food. <laughs> So, just so a people... suggestion. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. Okay. Is there anything else? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. People are going to know where to get, where to find you, which we, we've already told them, but I will put it, as I say, in the show notes. And um, I will say what I always say at the end, which is neither of us are doctors and this right. is not medical advice. Right. Um, and that I have no doubt that if people have questions that you'll be happy to, to, um, help them with that as well at your website. Yeah. There's a contact us button if you, if you need to yeah. contact us. Sure. Yeah. Sure. <clears throat> okay. So that's it. And I will see everybody next week. Okay. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.